0: The Gospel of me. chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus was filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues, and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release peace to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me through this proverb doctor kill yourself and you will say "Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at the burning and he said truly i tell you no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown but the truth is there were many widows in israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a severe famine over all the land yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephal in Sinai. There were also many lepers of Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman in Syria. When they heard this all in the synagogue were filled with rage, they got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff
1: but he passed through the midst of them and left Last Sunday, we picked up our stars. And mine says, Reveal on the back. I've been thinking about what should I reveal and to whom in 2017. And meanwhile, I noticed my wife picked up speaking. So I thought a while, hmm, maybe I should put my wife on the pulpit this coming Sunday to reveal her speaking. But unfortunately, my wife refused to do so. So I'm here instead. But the word that I picked up, revealed, means a lot, especially in this season. We have been going through the season of Epiphany. Epiphany is a liturgical time that we remember and celebrate the manifestation of Christ to people. It is a time to be thankful of the revelation of Jesus in this Word. May God bless this time and let us experience the revealing of Jesus in us. One Sabbath day at a synagogue, Jesus finished his reading of the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. People in the synagogue were in silence, for a moment. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They waited for the next words coming out of his mouth. They were looking forward to see and hear for themselves what they heard about him from others. His astonishing works, teachings, and miraculous incidents around Galilee were known to them already. Everyone became to know him at that time, but they couldn't believe what they heard from the people outside of the town of Nazareth. They knew Jesus and his family for long. Some got even married to his sisters and brothers. Some still remembered the time when Jesus was a boy, they knew his father Joseph and mother Maria closely. To the puzzled people, Jesus revealed who he is and what he has been doing and what his mission goal on earth is by saying this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Whenever I read this part, it makes me goosebumps because this is the moment that Jesus officially proclaims that He is the one that the prophet, the prophet Isaiah longed for, the one who is promised to come, the Messiah, the Savior, after a long wait, experiencing 400 years of God's silence after the last chapter of the Hebrew Bible. And finally, the one who saves. Not only the Israel, but also the whole creation of God was revealed. Jesus uses a Hebrew Bible passage to explain both Himself and the nature of salvation that God is bringing through Him. The passage is actually a composite one taken from Isaiah chapter 61 and 58. By using this passage, Jesus presents Himself as the fulfillment of Isaiah's spirit-filled prophetic figure who proclaimed God's eschatological redemption to the people who are oppressed, to the people who are marginalized, to the people who are not self-sufficient, to the people who are in between borders, to the people who are captive, either physically, spiritually, and socially. This passage reveals what Jesus' mission goal was. It is proclaiming good news to the poor, that is to those who marginalize in the presence, are looking for God's redemption. Even though they were thrilled and impressed by Jesus' proclamation, they didn't quite understand what Jesus really meant at that time. They could not expect the path Jesus will walk through. Some whispered to the next, Is not this Joseph's son? This is an ambivalent expression some felt local pride on him and gave him approval. This expression implies those amazement of people on him. Yet, at the same time, it has within it the seeds of misunderstanding and rejection. So Jesus quoted a proverb that points to the inevitability of a city's rejecting the prophetic message of one who is in its own. Familiality limits our expectations and resents challenges coming from God. They fail to recognize the strength of the challenge that is actually being made. In many cases, prophetic voices are hard to swallow because it stirs up the status quo and it breaks the peace and it puts the personal and social equilibriums in precarious status. The challenge of transformation is not easy to follow. It puts our inner peace in jeopardy It asks us to break our comfort zone and pushes us outside of our boundary. In the spring of 1963, Martin Luther King, Jr. organized a demonstration in downtown Birmingham, Alabama. Entire families attended. And city police turned dogs and fire hoses on demonstrators. King was jailed, along with large numbers of his supporters. But the event drew nationwide attention. However, King was personally criticized by black and white clergy alike. For taking risks and endangering the children who attended the demonstration. From the jail in Birmingham, King eloquently spelled out his belief of nonviolence in civil rights movement. Nonviolent direct action seeks to create such a crisis. And foster such a tension that a community which has constantly refused to negotiate is forced to confront the issue. Embracing the gospel and becoming disciples of Jesus Christ sometimes mean to put ourselves in a vulnerable place. It looks like breaking our peace and putting our close relationships in danger. But as King noted, when we accept the challenges and begin to act, a crisis and tension can reveal the irrationalities of the society which is based on the coercive violence and injustice that they failed to deal with properly. And it gives people a chance to confront these issues. What we are talking is the real world where the drama of salvation unfolds. It is a world saturated with violence, a world of both hidden and overt savagery. The message and ministry of Jesus clashed profoundly with this world. He announces God's liberation to the oppressed, promises the future to the poor, welcomes outcasts and strangers, calls all to repentance and a new way of life characterized by love of God and others. Jesus' message and deeds arose strong opposition from political and religious leaders alike. When Jesus proclaims and enacts the reign of God in the world built on violence, Jesus suffered for the divine necessity, the necessity of God's gracious and non-coercive love that the love of God be fully expressed in all its vulnerability in Jesus Christ. Prophetic voices call us to become vulnerable, to challenge and transform this society, this world, and to seek justice among us. In the following verses, there is an expression, the ear of the Lord's favor. According to Leviticus 25, it is also called uh, as Jubilee. It, it is familiar to many of us, which took place every 50 years, when you shall proclaim liberty throughout land to all its inhabitants. It's now becoming a reality. When Jesus said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your own hearing. Jesus is preaching of God's redemptive action in this world that reveals a true freedom in love and others and orders the bonds that oppress God's people are being broken, yet the brokenness still remains in our life and in this world. God is in this world, creating continually in us and around us. Our living God, a living reality that flows through the time, and bids us to be co-creators with the living God in this world to continually and freely transform and create the world toward the vision of the kingdom of God. The next following verses, Jesus cited two narratives of prophets from the Hebrew Bible. One is from a prophet, Elijah. There were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of the people of Israel, but to a widow in Jeraphath in the region of Sidon. And Sidon was foreign land to Israel, which means the land is unclean. And the people of Sidon were Gentiles to them, who are not supposed to be interacted with. But the prophet Elisha was sent to the widow in Sidon. The other is from the prophet Elisha. There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet, not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman the Syrian was cleansed. And he was also a Gentile. This incident are used to show that prophets of Israel worked outside of the borders that they were often unsuccessful at home. Their lack of success at home led them to work across the borders and outside of the borders towards the foreigners who were regarded as people outside of the promise of God as a people in, in two prophets' time, the people of Nazareth in Jesus' time also had hardened minds that were not opened towards God's challenges for the transformation, for the liberation of the oppressed, for the newness coming from God. The sermon Jesus gave them provoked a furious response of the part of the listeners who set out to kill Jesus. The challenges that Jesus gave them stirred up their hearts. As a result, they rejected not only Jesus as a false prophet, but also the opportunities, possibilities, and encouragement from God through Him which calls for an urgent transformation. The transformation from the prejudice. The transformation from the familiarity. The transformation from the sturdiness of their mind and thinking system. The transformation from the old way, seeing the world, to the new way, making relationship with God, and neighbors. It is a transformation to life from the status of death, of love. As Jesus proclaimed in his mission statement, the new ways of Jesus lead us to take care of the marginalized, the least people among us, the people who do not have means to pay you back for your kindness, the people who have been experiencing accumulated injustice personally and structurally. When the people of Nazareth drove him to the cliff to throw him off, he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. We do not know how he did it, because the Bible does not say about it in detail. However, we need to focus on the expression Luke specially uses in here to reveal an important message of Jesus. Luke uses the expression of walking through to describe the sin. In Greek, it is a verb form, diarkomai, which means to go through, pass through, and to go different places. Luke uses this verb a lot in the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He uses this particular verb to depict the sins that Jesus travels town to town, crosses the lake to get to the other side travels along the borders in between, and crosses the borders. Not only the physical movements of Jesus and his disciples, but also he uses this verb to express the gospel, the good news, travels, spreads, and reach out to the people on the other side. This reminds us That God's love has no limitation, no borders, no boundaries, no discrimination, no racism, especially as it moves across the social, religious, racial borders. Jesus walked through the people of Nazareth who did not want to be challenged, And he kept going and going, crossing the borders, kept crossing the borders toward the goal of his mission. On August 28, 1963, the history march on Washington through more than 200,000 people in the shadow of the Lincoln Memorial. It was here that King made his famous I Have a Dream speech, empathizing his belief that someday all people could be brothers and sisters regardless of their skin colors, with love of God that overs the borders. The rising tide of civil rights agitation produced a strong effect on our life, especially our identity formation as people who value all life God created equal. The marching for the human rights to go over the injustice is not ended yet. As Jesus went through the hostile people and traveled the borders in between Samaria and Galilee and continually crossed the social, religious, and geographical borders through His mission, the good news of liberation, freedom, continually encouraged us to go over the limitation prejudice, and discrimination and segregation of this world. Our marching toward the fulfilling of God's love in our life, in our church, in our community, in our society, will never end. My loving brothers and sisters in Christ, would you join to walk through this path together would you join to build the bridges together over the wars Amen